Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. From Absolutely Productions, this is Branchburg with Brendan and Corey. From the desk of Branchburg Volunteer Fire Chief, Kevin D'Angelo. The Branchburg Volunteer Fire Department announces the dismissal of three firemen who were recently spotted using a fire hose to hunt deer. Firemen James K. Schultz, Robert P. Lopez, and Ted Nettles were seen Saturday morning hooking up a 225 PSI nylon double jacket attack hose to a residential fire hydrant and then dragging it into the nearby woods. The three firemen then spent the next four hours attempting to hunt deer with the hose. The firemen fired the hose frequently and erratically, destroying dozens of trees and squirrels in the process. The lone deer they did kill was immediately pulverized into an almost liquid-like state by the fire hose, violating a number of New Jersey hunting rules and regulations. Their dismissal is effective immediately, and the Branchburg Volunteer Fire Department thanks the three men for their service. Additionally, the Branchburg Volunteer Fire Department would like to apologize for sending a fireman dressed as Santa Claus out around Branchburg on the back of a fire truck, despite it being nowhere near Christmas. There was a scheduling error. The fire department would also like to apologize for when he jumped off the back of the moving fire truck in order to spank a child who gave him the finger. We will not be releasing the fireman's name at this time, but he has also been dismissed. The Fireman's Howl. Ah, a beautiful way. Legend says it contains the screams of every soul who have perished in flames. Also, it lets us know there's a house fire somewhere. Of course, house fires are a modern human fallacy. Someday, humankind will lift its eyes on a new horizon. One where we see the whole as our rightful shelter. But despite our current imperfections, it is still my duty to help. Needing proper supplies, I decided to enter Branchburg Firehouse through a window. Its layout's still familiar, as I was once removed from this establishment before, for teaching a new way to perform CPR, one that involved pulling hair. No other fire suits remained. However, on their closet floor lay a Santa Claus outfit, which would more than suffice for the dangerous task I was about to embark on. While I myself do not practice the faith, it would be an honor to be buried in the garments of a true Judeo-Christian warrior. 
There's a family on the second floor, but the stairway caught fire. So if we use the ladder at the west end of the house... What's that red guy doing? Hey, don't go in there! Inside the house, I immediately began searching for souls to save. However, like many men before me, I was no match for the TV that was left on in the living room. Its vibrant sound, its transfixing brightness. As I stared deeply into the Technicolor dreamscape, I began to wonder, what if cartoons are conscious and they are in turn watching us? What if we are cartoons to them? It was then the yellow sponge spoke, which broke me from the TV's Merlin-like spell. We're in here! I ran to the source of the yells, and in the other room huddled an old father with his two sons. I decided to carry the father and make the boys walk. For one day, they will carry me in my final years. A prophecy I told them as best I could through the Santa Claus beard and roaring flames. You are both too weak now, but soon our chapter in the circle of life will be written. Here they are! Someone get them oxygen! Take your hands off me! I rejected their western medicine, instead opting to consume some small red berries on a nearby bush, which immediately caused my body temperature to rise to 110 degrees. I began losing feeling throughout my body until I felt only my core which, too, became cold and unwelcome. I then floated towards the warmest light my physical form has yet to comprehend. Humanity has called this feeling God, Yahweh, Allah, and, according to a very intense five-year-old I once met, Mickey Mouse. Regardless of its earthly titles, I knew this was the energy of the entire universe. I floated before this all-consuming light, still in the Santa Claus outfit, for a time that cannot be measured by Newtonian nor quantum units, until the light finally set. I don't remember making you. It was then I was brought back to my mortal form. Inspired by my encounter with the great beyond, I realized I needed to make the most of my time here on Earth. I then did what any person who understood this would do. All right, it looks like the fire is gonna stay away from the power line, so why don't we just Wait, that red guy just got back up. Oh my god, he's going back into the house! Did one of our guys follow him? Yeah, why don't you and Jeff go in after him and... Oh wait, no, it looks like he's coming back out now. Wait, where's he going with the TV? Every evening, before I sit down for dinner, I take a walk around my neighborhood. I find that doing so prevents me from yelling at people at the grocery store or crashing into other cars on purpose. It also increases blood flow. Typically, these walks are without incident, but a few nights ago, I saw the most astounding thing. While turning onto Redcrest Lane, I noticed a man who looked exactly like me approaching from the opposite direction. This is something I do not say lightly. In both clothing and physical appearance, this man and I were exactly the same. Same pair of size 32 American Eagle khaki shorts, same large chambray shirt from The Gap, Same curly dark hair that is four inches at the bangs. Same freckle on the ear that looks like a beautiful brown stud earring. But I knew we weren't long-lost identical twins or anything like that. We made identical twins look like assholes. We were something deeper. Something cosmic. The foreigners have a word for this. One that they whisper to each other down at the docks. Or wherever it is that the foreigners congregate. Doppelganger. That is what we were. We stopped just short of each other and stared, both fully taken aback by ourselves. It felt like time had stopped in honor of what was happening. 
At one point, we sneezed at the exact same moment, our bodies going through the same awful, grotesque contortion I previously thought only specific to me. I doubt the universe had wanted to reveal it had messed up like this. Glitches are never supposed to know they're glitches. Then again, perhaps he and I were the universe's greatest success. In our creation, the universe had finally burst free of the shackles of randomness and disorder that rule it, and the two identical middle-aged men staring and sneezing at each other in the middle of the sidewalk were its greatest triumph. Of course, you can never tell with the universe. That is what makes it what it is, and it is why we all go to our graves with that weird little smirk on our faces. The man and I entered minute two of staring at each other. A dog I don't like barked in the distance. I wondered if our similarities went even deeper than physical and sartorial similarities, if perhaps we had shared the same life until this point, the same triumphs, the same embarrassments. I wondered if we had the same name. Maybe we had the same wife and neither realized it. I made a note to ask her when I got home. Then he stuck out his hand that looked like mine, and I stuck out my hand that looked like his. Our hands combined together into a handshake. I started to cry, and so did he. I cannot imagine what it would have been like to be someone passing by, seeing two crying clones slowly shaking hands. But this street gets little traffic and is poorly lit, so anyone who saw it would surely chalk it up to their mind betraying them, the beginning of a plunge into a psychotic break, and move on with their day. We continued shaking hands and crying, and as I looked into the damp green eyes of the man, the same eyes that I have had my entire life, a thought began to form in my head. I'm not sure why it entered my cavernous head, but it had, and was gaining traction with every passing moment. Sometimes I feel as if I go through life hooked up to an IV of mist, but I have never had a thought as clear as this one. What if I robbed the man who looked exactly like me? I've never robbed anyone before. I'm in no need of money, as I have $4,000 in my checking account. I'm a man with an aversion to crime, and I've gone to church over 100 times in my life. All in all, I'm a pretty good guy. But for whatever reason, in this moment, robbery was appealing to me. And before I knew it, I had decided to break free of the handshake and sock my doppelganger in his gut. Initially, I was concerned that perhaps he would be able to fend off my attacks and be able to anticipate my thoughts. But life is not a science fiction novel written by some bearded fool. He fell to the ground, clutching his stomach. I grabbed a nearby brick, which I held over him like a menace. I told the man to give me his wallet, which I then took as if it were my own. It was the exact same brand as mine. I looked inside. Forty dollars. He never put up a fight or spoke, probably because the sight of someone who is an exact replica of yourself robbing you with a brick is too much for the human brain to handle. Ancient concepts like fight or flight have no use here. He lay on the ground, squealing in pain the exact way I do when people rob me. I stared at him for a moment, and then I ran away. No one saw me because this street gets little traffic and is poorly lit. I ran and ran until I got back to my house. My wife asked if everything was okay, and I threw up in the foyer. Then I went upstairs, stripped nude, and sat in the bathtub for a while. I never turned on the water. Eventually, my wife came upstairs and asked me if I was okay. I asked her if she was married to anyone else. She laughed. Since that day, I have been running this incident over and over in my head, trying to figure out why exactly I did what I did. I have only been able to come up with one explanation. I robbed the man who looked exactly like me because no one would ever believe him. If he tried to explain who robbed him and said it was someone who looked exactly like him and went to great lengths to describe just how identical we were and began to choke up as he described it all, he'd be banned from the police station. And reversely, no one would ever believe me. 
It was as if it had never happened. This felt like a freedom to me, a freedom I had never experienced before, one undeniably true and pristine, one I knew I would never experience again. The freedom of no consequences. The freedom of $40. And who could pass up something like that? You seem to be reaching for my waist in what I can only assume is an attempt to steal my gun? Well, you're applying for a job at an accounting firm, so I don't have a gun. But then again, it's that go-getter spirit that we're looking for at H&R Block. Okay, put down my stapler. There is nothing more important to me than my faith. I attend church every Sunday, which of course is where I am right now. Currently, I am in line for communion, perhaps the most important sacrament for a proud Catholic man like myself. In case you're wondering, the reason I wore a bathing suit to church is because I am going to the beach immediately following Mass. I want to beat the Sunday traffic, and I don't have enough time to go home and change. They look just like a normal pair of shorts, you can barely tell. 
Why am I not wearing shoes? Well, I spilled coffee on them in the parking lot. I didn't want to wear coffee-stained shoes inside a house of worship. Surely you can understand that. My tongue is sticking out because I burnt it on the coffee I previously alluded to. I am hoping that by exposing it to the raw air, it will heal faster and be ready in time to receive the body of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As for my lack of shirt, well, I put it in the collection plate. I didn't have any cash on me this week, so I decided to literally donate the shirt off my back. Charity is a very important part of being a Christian. The reason why I'm doing the hang loose sign is because I slammed my hand at the front door on the way in, and I'm trying to shake out the pain. There's a very good chance I have completely shattered my hand, but it's nothing compared to what Christ suffered on the cross. Yes, I have a belly button ring. My eyes are wide and crossed because I just took eye medicine that makes them like that. If I don't take my medicine 12 times a day, I will go blind and be unable to read the word of the Lord. Well, that about sums it up. I know God accepts me for who I am, and that is all I need to know. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of... Ow! He bit me! That's on you! You need to be faster! At the end of the day, there is just nothing more important to me than my faith. My faith. My faith. My faith. I had a pretty amicable relationship with my old mailman, Rob. Guess that's why this past Halloween, when I noticed he wasn't wearing a costume, I felt comfortable saying something. I teased him a bit. I said, Rob, what are you doing? It's Halloween. The neighborhood kids always come out to see you. Why aren't you wearing a costume? He just chuckled and looked a bit ashamed. Well, I couldn't let him go on that note. I told him to wait right there, and I ran up to the attic where I knew an old scream mask was. I grabbed that and ran back outside where Rob was still waiting. After he put the scream mask on, he turned to me and we both had a good laugh. <laughs> he looked great. He thanked me and drove off, but um, as I was about to enter my house, I heard a crash. Rob's mail truck had swerved right into a telephone pole a few houses down. I ran over and dragged Rob out of the wreck. He was unconscious. As I placed him down on the sidewalk, I immediately noticed the eye holes on the scream mask were way too small for an adult man to see out of. I decided to give Rob mouth-to-mouth, with the scream mask on, of course, as it served as a protective barrier from germs. After two rounds of breaths and chest compressions, I thankfully got a heartbeat back. And, uh, since I got a speeding ticket the previous week I hadn't paid, I decided not to call 911. Plus, the heartbeat was back. What more would the paramedics do besides give him a $700 ambulance bill? <laughs> so instead, I decided to drag Rob, still wearing the scream mask, over to a neighbor's yard and leaned him against a tree so he could catch his breath. Look, I did all I could. If anyone on our street had a problem with this, they could have taken the reins. I mean, the whole neighborhood shares the mailman. No one stepped up, though, and Rob spent the next few days slumped over against that tree. I guess he slipped into a coma. 
Everyone must have thought he was a decoration. When he finally came to four days later, he began crawling onto my yard, screaming he was going to sue me. At least that's what I could make out from him still wearing the mask, until the paramedics arrived and sedated him. EMT said Rob probably couldn't get the scream mask off due to all the swelling. I watched them remove it using the jaws of life. Yeah. The thought of getting sued is pretty scary, but I won't take it lying down. I've hired a PI who has unearthed some pretty unseemly stuff about Rob. Turns out he's been going into people's vegetable gardens and, well, let's just say it hasn't been rabbits that have been stealing people's vegetables. It's been Rob. We sent that evidence in and the police took Rob in for trespassing and theft. If I'd never given him that scream mask, we never would have figured out who's been stealing all our vegetables. So, that feels pretty good. You include that with the CPR, that makes me a double hero. I'm hoping I'll get a story in next month's Branchburg News. Sometimes people say the term, the mask has come off. But for my story, it was putting the scream mask on Rob that exposed him for the monster he was. Pretty neat quote, right? Thought of it myself. I've been saying it a lot lately. Most of my neighbors don't really want to talk to me anymore. Oh, how quick we are to forget about who took our vegetables once the good guys aren't needed anymore. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to This is Branchburg with Brendan and Corey. They'll be glad you did. <laughs>